0: Welcome to the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Waters. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Dave McMiniman, an NBA reporter for ESPN, who was a manager on Syracuse's 2003 team. I talked with Dave about his years at SU, his memories of the 03 team, and its recent reunion weekend, along with his thoughts about Carmelo Anthony and how he spotted Jim Boeheim walking alone in New Orleans after Syracuse's championship win over Kansas. Welcome back to another edition of the inside Syracuse basketball podcast. Um, we got a really good guest uh, today, uh, a guy I've known for 20 years now, and it's really amazing to see where he's gone with his career. It's former Syracuse basketball manager. I love saying that part and current ESPN NBA reporter Dave McMinneman. Dave, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Mike, and it's a pleasure to join you as always.
0: Yeah, it's really uh, it's really gonna be fun to talk. We chat every once in a while when we get the uh, opportunity. Um, you know, the one reason I reached out to you to join the podcast was just uh, a couple weeks ago, Carmelo Anthony retires, and I don't know if that it was a real surprise or a, like, oh my goodness, uh, you know, Carmelo Anthony is 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 done because he didn't play this past season, but still, it gives us a, an opportunity to talk about the former Syracuse greats basketball career and put it into perspective. Um what were your first thoughts uh when Carmelo did announce his retirement a couple of weeks ago?
1: Well certainly he didn't necessarily get to go out on his own terms. Uh there was talk last summer after he finished a pretty individually successful season with the Lakers. Uh that Couple teams that he'd played for in the past, the Knicks and the Nuggets, perhaps having interest in in bringing him in and he could get season number 20 and kind of have the storybook uh, tie up the loose ends to his career with a bookend of a place where he'd played before. But obviously, it didn't materialize. Um, I think what ended up being perhaps the unanticipated bookend was the fact that I was, the last time I saw you in person was the 20 year anniversary of the Syracuse championship team. And um, little did we know, and maybe some of us suspected a little bit that it could have been coach Bayheim's, uh last, last home game um, at the dome, but um, it, it kind of ended up being the swan song for both of them and, and, and pretty uh, appropriate to have them both kind of share that moment as one of their, Last active uh, basketball memories. I think that's it. You know, I don't think either side would have scripted it necessarily that way. Coach Beheim certainly would have wanted to go out on an NCAA tournament run, and, and Carmelo would have liked to be on an NBA roster, but still to come back to kind of their most important basketball moment um, and share that together, I thought it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I agree. And it's funny the way things work out. Maybe not necessarily the way a couple folks wanted them to, but they kind of worked out well. If Carmelo had been playing in the NBA this year, he's not able to attend that 20th anniversary reunion at, at the Dome, uh, which was on Syracuse's senior day, the last regular season game. You know, and and also, you know, if if Jim Boeheim's retirement doesn't happen the way it does, which was a little awkward, we might maybe we get into that a little bit a week less than a week later with the whole post coup. Uh, game press conference uh, down in Greensboro. But, you know, instead, his last home game at the Dome is going to be not only a win, which is nice, but also a game attended by all the guys that was on his national championship team from 2003. That's not a bad happening. Yeah, and not only that, you throw in
1: Jeremy, Jerry McNamara and Nikema Warwick's jerseys going up to the rafters uh it, you know it was for me uh one of my most cherished basketball memories and um talking and reconnecting with a lot of those guys you know akim and i stay in touch over text we see each other a couple times a year as the nba circuit has our past cross um and you know obviously carmelo i covered last season but some of those guys i really hadn't seen in years quest and i text from time to time but but to be able to like see is is a, a man um uh, a father uh a leader in in business uh and still have all those same qualities that caused us to look up to him back in the day I don't know it was just it was really cool and I think everyone involved there um could feel that there was it was a charged kind of energy um to the atmosphere that weekend and um you know that quite frankly that's going to be a better send off than Carmelo would have gotten playing for perhaps a random NBA team. You know, there was a call for him to be the veteran that gets added to the Memphis Grizzlies to try to settle down that locker room. Uh, you know, are Memphis fans going to give him a send off like he got in Syracuse? I don't think so.
0: Right. You know what? We need to reset this for folks that, that didn't pick up on it right at the beginning. You were, you know, you're a Syracuse grad. Uh, when you were here at Syracuse, you were a manager with the basketball team and I believe it was your sophomore year was the 03 season. So you were right there with, with all the guys as, as they, you know, with Carmelo as a freshman, Jerry McNamara as a freshman, you mentioned Quet Dwayne, Craig Forth, Josh Pace, Billy Evelyn, all those guys, those were your guys. What was, what was that? What was it like coming back that reunion weekend? And, and not just the Carmelo guys, but all the other guys that had really had very few opportunities to get together as a group until then.
1: Well, I I texted with you a bit about this, but Billy Edelin was, that was the most impactful, emotional, um, kind of cherished part of the weekend for me. And I think most guys would say the same thing because Billy's, uh, you know, not had the easiest go of things since he finished with Syracuse. And, um, you know, he wasn't involved in the watch party on the Friday night. Um, prior, and you know, we were kind of talking amongst ourselves, like, oh, we, we'd all love to see Billy, and he's going to be able to come or not. And um, you know, apparently, Carmelo made it his mission to make sure Billy was included um, and, and Billy would feel the love from the Syracuse community. And so, while many of us were hanging out prior to the game on Saturday, in um, you know, one of the the suites, um, you know, just catching up and having some food and drink. Carmelo was in a different part of the arena with Billy. um, And uh, when we all kind of were staged by the dome ramp to get ready to go on to the court at halftime, that's when Carmelo brought Billy down. And uh, like all of us were just so excited to see him. Um, Many of us, we hadn't seen him in person um, in, you know, more than a decade and uh he was overwhelmed by the moment he was shedding tears and giving hugs and uh, you know all the love in the world uh, was being passed around with that group and then we get to the, the final moment when we're going to go on the court um and uh queth i believe is holding the championship trophy and when Queth's name is called he puts the trophy in billy's hands and, and billy goes out there uh, and hears the roar of the twenty thousand plus fans and so Yeah, it was really cool. And then also that such a testament to the guy that Carmelo is that, um, you know, he could have been bigger than that. You know, he could have been, you know, that's a guy I haven't known for years. Uh, No, it's his old roommate. uh, And it wouldn't have been complete for him, Carmelo, if he didn't have Billy there. And so he made sure it it made it happen.
0: Was there any inkling, you know, Jim Boeheim in his game presser after the Wake Forest game in Greensboro five days later when we're asked, when we're asking him about his future, you know, retirement plans or whatever. And he says, well, I gave my retirement speech last weekend. Now, I don't know if I believe that entirely. <laughs> I, to I, day, I, don't,
1: I don't either, Mike. And listen, you okay. know him just about as well as anyone can know him, I think. And I'll say this, I think everyone knows this, but I respect the hell out of the work you've done covering the Syracuse basketball program. Um, okay. We also know that Coach beham can be, you know, uh, uh, he's a very clever man um, and and sometimes maybe too smart for his own good. And so he, maybe he was straddling the fence a little bit there. Um, I had a conversation with him on Friday night um, prior to the Wake game on Saturday where we were talking about the challenges of the college coaching landscape in 2023. Mm-hmm. But Uh, him expressing, you know, confidence in, in terms of like, well, you hit the transfer portal hard and get, you know, veteran players. And that's a pathway for success. So to me, it was a guy still talking about the possibility of, of still coaching the program because he's so competitive and no, no
0: no real inklings, no hints that that like, Hey,
1: I mean, I'm not saying that he didn't give it to someone else in the group, Um, but um, there was, you know, I was in a couple of the kind of, group gatherings where we had uh, a bunch of the former managers and former players and former coaches and current coaches all together in like a green room setting. And, and coach was over the moon um, gracious. And, and um, you know, certainly, you know, the one thing that sticks with me, he said that, you know, uh, the 5% of critical fans uh, in in Syracuse are very vocal and you're going to hear from them, but they are not, Syracuse basketball fans, Syracuse basketball fans are the 95% that are loyal and have been here supporting this program and look at, look at what we see in the arena. Um, you know, those are the the fans that still fill it up, even though, you know, this team isn't bound for the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that that was acknowledging, <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, that was acknowledging, I guess, the whatever pressure or whatever you want to say, the narrative that was building that was suggesting that he should, um, Hang it up, but yeah. again, I, I don't want to speak for everyone on the team because he may have told someone um, in, a, in a private moment that this was going to be it.
0: Well, if he did, they kept it quiet. quiet whoever he did, if he talked to anybody, they're good.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um. All right, so you know we do that. You know, one other thing about your your career at Syracuse—not really yet at Syracuse, but your college career—is after that 03 season. Obviously, you can't follow up. You can't do better than that. So you decide to take a year abroad. You you went over to the University of Limerick in Ireland, and you and I, you not only go over there to study, you played ball. Tell me about that. What, you know, did you intend on playing ball in like uh, your your uh, semester abroad?
1: Yeah. So I was. You know, I, I, I love basketball. I still play it several times a week now. Um, I was a marginal high school player. Um, but like, I, I knew how to be a good influence on a team. And so I came to Syracuse with grand visions of being the Rudy of Syracuse University and walking onto the team and quickly realized that players like uh, Renell Heron and Andrew Cowie were at pretty pretty high level compared to what I was bringing to the table uh and that they had years of eligibility um ahead of them when I when I got to school so the walk- on route didn't really seem too feasible um and I worked with the team as a manager and um you know part of the kind of, it's not written in the job description, but you can't really be the head manager of Syracuse passport without a car because <laughs> just the, the job requirements of running errands and helping guys get to classes and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I didn't have a car nor I was going to be getting a car. And so I knew the kind of head manager route was also kind of close to me. So I'm like, well, all right. As a junior manager, I've already had the championship experience. Um, odds are, I won't be able to make it as a walk-on. I knew that there were some invited walk-ons that were scheduled to come my junior year, and this was a chance a to study abroad. My older sister studied abroad in Melbourne, so it was always in my head that that's a great, you know, enriching experience to get away, um, and that's the time of life to do it. And b uh, my buddy and I, who fellow Syracuse guy Chris Dugan, um, who was a heck of a ball player. we were looking at either going to London, where several of our friends were going. or going to Barcelona. And then this Limerick thing came up, and we got in touch with the coach. And he's like, we have tryouts for you know American players. We can only have two Americans on our team. But if what you guys are telling me about your, your skill level, we, we're probably around D3 American hoops. So you have a good tryout, you'll be on the team. And Chris and I were the two Americans to make the team. Um, and Chris was like, one of our really good players, like, um, started a lot of games, but I actually, I, I got a consistent role, you know, I, I might average five or six points per game, but I was playing regularly, which was awesome to be in the throes of competition. And also beyond that, um, I didn't have a lot of money. And so just going on bus trips to go play in Dublin or go play in Cork or go play in Galway, I got to see the country for free. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, you know, one of the best decisions I ever made. And then fortunate enough for me, when I came back my senior year, rather than, you know, Bernie Fine and the Syracuse program being like, you know, you, you shirked your responsibility. We don't have a spot for you. They welcomed me back as a manager. And even, you know, I got to travel some, um, kind of being the alternate head manager my senior year. So it was awesome.
0: That's really amazing. I think that's great. You know, you went overseas, you did your, you're abroad but you also got to play basketball um and now you can tell guys you cover in the nba yeah i play ball in college (laughs) (laughs) this is actually a cool thing kevin young
1: who's now the associate head coach of the phoenix suns who you know just became the highest paid assistant in um, the nba today as an assistant coach he played professionally in ireland and um he knows it was called the burger king super league uh and so he knows what irish basketball is like and so we've connected over that and yeah lo and behold i didn't think that would ever benefit me in my career i thought it was just like my own personal kind of basketball time but um you know i got to connect with one of the bright young coaches through that experience too How
0: amazing. all right so let's circle back to carmelo who was the real reason you, you and i wanted to get together and talk uh, on the podcast you know <laughs> It's I I I feel like when people start to like evaluate Carmelo and his career and his standing among players and all time and everything, that if you are either a Syracuse fan or you lived in Syracuse or you covered Syracuse even, so I'm in this group too, that your perspective and opinion about Carmelo is completely different than a lot of the folks out there in NBA cities around the country who saw that, like, you know, he never made a final. He never won a, he doesn't have a ring. I think people in Syracuse have a completely different opinion. What, what, do you, what is, from your perspective, since I think you can share both, you know, what, what's that perspective, you know, the, the college Carmelo or the NBA only Carmelo and and where do you kind of evaluate him?
1: Well, it's hard for me to be unbiased about this. Obviously, you know I, I saw how great he was in college up close, and it was again what a ride to be uh, have a front row seat to witness. But my pushback, and I've had this conversation ad nauseum for twenty years, is that did Michael win without Dennis and Scotty, and did Kobe win without Shaq and Powell, and then who is Carmelo's blank? Who are his Hall of Fame teammates in their prime to -hmm. help him win? He'd never had it. And so he ran into Kobe on a mission in 2009 in the Western Conference Finals, coming off the finals loss to the Celtics in 2008, gave him a series, go six games, you know, maybe the Nuggets could have won, it if not for a couple uh, faulty inbounds plays that Trevor Ariza was able to, you know, steal in late game situations. But look at his teammates there. You know, Kobe had Powell and Lamar Odom in his prime. And obviously, Andrew Bynum was was a burgeoning all-star back then. Carmelo had nothing of the sort. I mean, this is not to cast aspersions at guys like Marcus Camby and uh, Kenyon Martin and J.R. Smith and, you know, um, Dante Jones and the like but it wasn't the level of teammates and then you go to new york and his best team in new york he loses to lebron james chris bosh dwayne wade and now a guy who's proving to be a top five coach of all time and eric spolstra where you know, carmelo has some great guys on his team but they're aging you know it's jason kidd towards the end of his career um you know and, and so i just don't think it was a really a fair argument to make um we're so used to the idea of if you're like a singular name superstar that you just do it all your own but you got to pay attention to who surrounded these guys um and and all of and carmelo was thrust into that conversation because his individual skill was so good yeah. but you know I, if you want to make an argument against him you say well you forced your way out of denver you go to new york new york had to give up so many assets to get you there and what you could have seen this coming because what was going to be left for you to play with. That's the one thing I guess you could say where, you know, maybe the business of basketball wise, he didn't make the most savvy decision in that moment. But in terms of being a competitor, in terms of being one of the game's all-time great scores, number nine in NBA history, um, you know, I, I think his NBA career is alone a Hall of Fame career. Then you throw in – maybe the most impactful freshman season in the history of college basketball and throw in the most decorated U.S. men's Olympian in, in, in basketball ever with three gold medals and a bronze. Mm-hmm, and it, yeah. it's an open and shut case. And anyone who would suggest he had an underwhelming career, like honestly doesn't know basketball.
0: When you've covered the NBA now, uh, which you have basically since you graduated from SU, you've been with ESPN since 09 and before then you were with NBA.com. Does your relationship with guys like Carmelo and Hakeem Warwick, you know, from your Syracuse days, as you know, this has that helped you at times over the years?
1: It actually has. Um, you know, Carmelo and I. It, it's funny because we were only school together one year, and, and quite frankly, I don't think this has surprised anyone. Like, it wasn't like Carmelo was a, around campus a lot after <laughs> this the win over Kansas, so we didn't really have that much time together in school, but early on in his career, we, we did a couple sit downs and he was one-on-one very helpful, uh, with me. Um, and just over the years, you know, seeing him at a game and he's sitting courtside at summer league and I chat with him and then he has some teammates sitting next to him and then there's a natural conduit to make those connections. Um, and then, uh, Akeem is, you know, a very soft-spoken kind of, tough-to-know kind of guy, but once you know him, he's awesome. And so, you know, even this last year, I I skipped a Lakers game or was, you know, given permission to miss a Lakers game to go to the celebration, the championship celebration. And Anthony Davis was giving me some flack for missing the game. Uh, And then when I told him what I was doing, uh, he lit up because he had played with the team in um new orleans um at one point in his career and um you know i i guess it gives you a le- level of credibility uh that you're not just any other reporter that is only has that perspective that you're bringing to the job um that you've kind of right you've seen it from uh the, the team perspective to some degree
0: sure and if guys see like carmelo and hakeem Reaching out to you, not reaching out, but giving you time, do whatever. The other guy's gotta be taking note of that, going, well, if he's okay with Mello, then he must be okay. And and so we go. All right, so let's go back to that senior day weekend. What stands out? What were the the inside moments that were really cool for you guys? Oh, I shared this on Dan Patrick, but it's still like
1: it's it says so much about Carmelo 20 years later, but we used to you know, get some drinks at Conrad's or I guess it was Chuck's at the time uh, and you're getting $5 pitchers to we have a toast after the watch party and it's Carmelo pouring from the wine label that he owns. (laughs) So Just to to have that um, growth uh, and just incredible career off the court um, is impressive. Um, I I think there was just neat Hearing, um, you know, seeing someone like Josh Brooks and and seeing how he's maybe as fit as anyone uh, that had played on that team still, and he works in sports as, um, I think he's a, a physical therapist. I want to say, or probably a sports chiropractor
0: too. Yeah,
1: a chiropractor. There you go. Um, uh, and seeing that in a, the way that that team has served him, you know, that that love and passion um and, and connections I'm sure are still part of uh his career today um I, I don't like I I it's it's I don't want to like call out individuals I'll start missing people but you know um I, I don't know it, it, and also hearing coach Beheim the way he talked about that team um there was a, a press conference. I guess I guess it was post game. I think probably you asked the question Mike, but it was something along the lines of like you know, there's a lot of great teams, but this is really a, a great collection of individuals. And um a coach by him can be an excellent salesman and, and make things sound great. Um but also he doesn't always get too mushy <laughs> about stuff and you could tell that that's it's a team that means a lot to him. And that was another thing it in in the kind of green room hangout that we had after the watch party, he said to the group that my career wouldn't be complete uh, without this team. And for a guy, you know, who top three, what, top number two all time in wins uh, when he retired and um, synonymous with the city of Syracuse and um, really the model for longevity in the sport. Um, I don't know. It, in all the, 20 win seasons and tournament appearances, etc., etc., etc. Um, but um, it just to see him kind of let down the competitive side, uh, and just be grateful and live in the moment there because I don't, you're not really allowed to do that. Um, it's a ruthless business, right? Uh, that he, he chose to be a part of for 40 plus years, uh, and um, you know that's why I, I loved um, the documentary that you guys did um, because you got him kind of talking in that same kind of mode because um, I don't think he allows himself to go there too often.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, as you're talking about that senior day weekend, the, the reunion weekend, yeah, I had a lot of those same moments with the guys uh, on that team when, when when we put together that documentary you know when i was interviewing Queth Dwayne and josh pace and then and, and jim Beheim and all of them and uh the, you know to get some to some of those stories about the relationships uh and everything that went on with that team it was it was a lot of fun for me to look back at yeah. the team i got yeah, one more doctor, question you oh wait, I, well, just, I have a quick
1: thing that just popped in my head well one i love the gary hall jeremy McNeil stuff and duck murray that was awesome um but <laughs> So Leah Rosenholtz was a fellow manager, same year as I, um, and we're at the game against Wake, and we're you know sitting in seats behind where the Syracuse team benches, and Leo goes, "Hey Dave, do you know who this is?" And it's you know a guy probably in his mid twenties, and I'm drawing a blank. He's like, this is Jaquan he was the ball boy <laughs> and he was seven years old back then when, when the team uh was, you know, was, was playing, that championship team was playing. And that was like, wow, like what a, what a cool moment. And uh, I was very, uh, who, whomever made that happen and made sure he was there. That was really cool. Cause when everyone, I, I kind of watched people afterwards make that connection. Like, Oh, I, I remember when you were just yay. Hi. Um, yeah, that was a very like full circle uh, he was a full circle representation of how long it had been um, since the championship.
0: Yeah, I saw him there on that at that game day too, I, and I couldn't believe how who, how they find you. You know, it's, yeah, you, exactly. you were a kid, you know, like you said. Now, okay, so that reunion weekend, did you guys make it back out to Marshall Street like you did in your undergrad days?
1: Yeah, we did. Didn't quite. Uh couldn't quite handle it the way i handled it in my undergrad days it, it, it's, it's a little bit harder but no that was that was great um I, I can't orange crate i think is the name of the newer bar on marshall street and carmelo anthony graciously opened up a tab and was taking care of you know everybody who wanted to wet their beak a little bit and uh, we're all sharing stories and taking pictures and um yeah it was it was fantastic
0: he was okay drinking something other than his own label. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, he was all right. And yeah, <laughs> just I mean, seeing him and uh, you know, Bay Frazier was there, who was, you know, his longtime, I guess, mentor, manager. Um, and you know, Bay was just hanging in the back and watching his guy, you know, relish in the moment, and just seeing Carmel decked out in Syracuse gear. Like, and I feel like he's been doing that for years. Uh, and it, I love it because like you don't have to be too cool for school. And Carmelo is like, I guess it's weird for a grown man to call another grown man. Cool. But Carmelo is cool. Like he has a cool factor to him. And so by him wearing Syracuse gear, like, I guess that's cool too. You can
0: do it. <laughs> You're allowed to. <laughs> um. So where does life take you these days? Uh, Carmelo's retired. The Lakers are done. What are you doing? I'm down in Miami for games three and four of the
1: finals. Uh, So I'll get to experience a little bit of this tasty matchup, uh, which I think the national narrative was, oh man, we missed out on what could have been Lakers versus Boston, 17 titles versus 17 titles to see who gets number 18. But uh, this might not have the rich history behind it, but it's excellent basketball so far in games one and two. And you either get, Jimmy Butler, uh, you know, getting that elusive title uh, and, and kind of entering into maybe the Dirk type of conversation where an all-time great who broke through at the right time and his career will be viewed in a completely different light. And at the same time, as I mentioned Spo earlier, really stamping Eric Spolster as, as a top five coach of all time. Or you have Nikola Jokic um, basically announcing his dominance uh, that could last for years to come. He already has two MVPs, could have a, a title, and he's, what, 27, 28 years old. Uh, so uh, it's, in its own way, it is very appealing. The Game 2 television audience was nearly identical to Game 2 last year involving Steph Curry versus the Boston Celtics and Jason Tatum. So uh, that's pretty darn good. And I think we're going to get, you know, I picked Denver in sixth. maybe we can even go the distance. Maybe this thing goes seven. And I think uh, basketball fans will really enjoy it as they continue to tune in.
0: Okay, so now Jim Boeheim is retired. Carmelo Anthony is retired. What about the guy you've been covering now with the Lakers, LeBron James? Uh, You know, I know it's dangerous to ever listen to any pro athlete in the the moments immediately after the final game of a season, especially a playoff loss, because that's not the time to ask them or to really believe them. (laughs) <laughs> so you're covering LeBron James next year, right? He's coming back. He's not retiring.
1: Yeah, I mean, I reported um, within the week, uh, I think they got swept by Denver on a Monday. And on Friday, I, I reported that, you know, a source close to LeBron told me that he expects him to be back with the Lakers and to fill his contract for next year. Uh, I, I think we are legitimately in the year-to-year territory now, though. Uh, Dennis Schroeder said earlier in the year that, LeBron told him that he'd like to play, you know, 25 seasons. Um, You know, I think there'd be days that LeBron feels that way when his body's feeling amazing. And then there's going to be weeks when the team is struggling or, you know, he's dealing with a torn tendon in his foot or the groin or the back or the knee. And uh, that becomes more of a pipe dream than a realistic scenario. So um, yeah, you will I have zero doubt he'll be back with the Lakers. I mean, fine. I'll say five percent doubt he'll be back with the Lakers, but 95%. Um, I'm sure uh he'll give it a go for year 21. And uh, you know, obviously they have a very competitive group before the sweep, they went 18 and six through the end of the regular season, through the first two rounds of the playoffs, supposed to play in. Like that's a 750 win percentage that would be the best in the NBA over the course of the entire season. So there is, uh, you know, a reason to want to keep the core intact, but you always got to get better. Uh, you know, it, it's, you know, that Phoenix is going to be, you know, looking to look at last year as an aberration and and really cater that team around Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And, you know, obviously Giannis Antetokounmpo and Joel Embiid remain two of the most dominant big men um, we've seen really ever in the game and and so those teams are are no slouches either and so lakers will have to improve but um i think there's the last season and a half prior to the trades that rob flink was able to pull off at the trade deadline were really taxing on lebron mentally physically um you know he likes to use the term spiritually as well uh but i think his career so long as it's games that matter and his and his body doesn't betray him. I I think we'll see it beyond year twenty one as well uh, because competitive basketball like that is you know I've covered I've been fortunate to cover a bunch of guys who really love the game um, and LeBron fits in that category.
0: Okay, we got to get you out on one more Syracuse related question from the 03 season. Uh, what's your favorite memory or funniest story or whatever it is from any time during that that season, be it. After the Kansas win, or maybe something at a practice early in the year. Um, well, after the Kansas win, I don't even know if I've told I've told you this
1: story before, but you know I enjoyed myself. I went out on uh, Bourbon Street, and I was twenty years old, but no one's checking ideas on Bourbon Street. Um, so you know I, I go out with some of the the guys from the team, and then I go out with some of my friends uh, who were students who came down. And I got back to the hotel and I'm like, you know, a mixture of, you know, still vibing from the wind and and having that adrenaline and, and, you know, maybe, you know, still having some of the the drinks in my system. Like I got to get some food. So I go back out to get a slice of pizza at whatever time it was in the morning, three, four in the morning. And I saw Coach Beheim taking his solo walk down bourbon his kind of victory lap um and uh you know i'm sure you kind of know this like uh coach uh, with manners generally it's uh you're on a need-to-know basis <laughs> like he, he gets to know you if you've been around for a few years but if you're one of your first two years the, there's not too much of a relationship uh but i went up to him um excitedly congratulating him. And, you know, I'm one of the junior uh, sophomore managers. And he's like, I know you are. I know you are. Basically being like, thank you. But I want to still soak in this moment. So so I did tell him about that years later. He got a good laugh about it. But um, yeah, it's just cool. Again, hearing him talk about how validating that that night was, that team was, that championship was for his career. I actually got to witness the guy kind of soaking in the moment Um, at, at at that stage, you know, he had been what coaching 25 years or so and hadn't done it yet. Um, So yeah, I feel fortunate that I got to get that little glimpse that quite frankly, I don't think anybody else saw. So he's
0: just walking by himself. Every, all the celebrations over.
1: All the celebrations over and he's just getting the chance to, you know, just, just soak it in.
0: That's really cool. That's really cool, and I can appreciate at the end of all that him probably needing some alone time, yeah, to process everything. That that's yeah. really cool, and a and a slightly inebriated sophomore David. <laughs> kind of that's, right. <laughs> that's
1: right. I had the pizza soaking it up, so I was I was I was doing okay.
0: All right. Well, Dave, listen, this has been a pleasure. Uh, it's always good chatting with you. Uh, and to see, like, the success you've had in your career, you know, that, that's just uh, awesome, too. I Congratulations on all of your successes, and I enjoy watching you and reading you. So keep at it, okay?
1: Yeah, likewise, Mike. I appreciate it.
0: All right, man. Thanks for joining the podcast. Yeah. I want to thank Dave for joining me on the podcast today, and thanks to you out there as well for listening in. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast, and follow all of our complete coverage of Syracuse basketball on Syracuse.com. Until next time on the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, I'm Mike Waters.